Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. All that's happening is not knowing what those rules are because there's not really anything in place when someone barks during a business meeting. Who does that? Hey, Carling. Do I sound any different? You sound like you're a year older. 38. Oh my goodness. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. My birthday was yesterday and you made it so special and Lindsay made it so special and all my friends. I know. It was so fun. Yeah. It was so lovely that I could come and hang out with you guys and get a babysitter. I know. I feel like I don't know the last time you got a babysitter. I think the last time I paid for a babysitter was when I only had two kids. Whoa. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it does not happen. What does a babysitter charge these days? Um, I'm not sure, but I gave her, like, $40. Oh, that's nice. For watching them for, like, four hours. Yeah. So. I seem to think I was, like, $5 an hour. Yeah, I think I... that's what I got, too. But, like, now is it minimum wage? I hope not. That's expensive. That's, I wouldn't say yeah. minimum wage for... That's, like, 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, that's a lot. Live. That's a lot. Yeah. But that's good. She did good. Yeah, she did good. She got the twins to bed. That's, like, mainly why I wanted her to come. Yeah. Was to manage the twins because the kids' dynamic isn't great. Like, yeah, they're not like, going to listen to each other. No, you can't put one kid in charge. No. Because the others won't listen. Yeah, so it was actually my daughter's friend's sister. So, yeah. like, Julia's friend came over, too. Aw. So, yeah, everyone had fun. That's and, nice. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, and then you got to come, I was going to say have some adult fun, but, you know, like, you got to come <laughs> to my kid-free party. Kid-free, but not dog-free. No, there was... Seven? Seven, eight dogs? Yeah. 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 Almost more dogs than people. Yeah, but that's okay. That's how I go. It was fun. Yeah. How was your week? As she <sighs> yawns. I don't know. Yeah, you said you had kind of a low week. Yeah, I'm not feeling great. I'm feeling, like, lonely and, like, seasonal depression and, like, regular mm. depression and grief and everything is just kind of on top of me right now. I'm super stressed about Christmas. Yeah. Super stressed about money, which is yeah. crappy. And, yeah, so trying yeah. to figure out how to work Christmas and make that happen. And I, well, uh, you know how I feel about Christmas. I do. And I, honestly, I would... I would totally cancel Christmas, like, in a heartbeat. Yeah. But I can't. I know. Like, how much therapy do kids need to get over the trauma of Christmas <laughs> just being canceled? Their mother canceling yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not the best right, uh, right. move, but we'll make it work. We always make it work, and yeah. it'll be fine, but uh, it's a lot of stress, a yeah. lot of stress leading up to it, so. Yeah, I'm so sorry, friend. It's all right. It's just the season that... I'm in, you know, the, yeah. all of it is just really heavy. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good or bad time to bring up. Um, I think our next Patreon episode, we're starting into episode three uh -huh. of your story. Well, you got me in a great place. 
because uh, it's a terrible story, and I feel terrible, so it's going to be oh, no. great. Oh, no. It'll be good. It'll be therapeutic to talk about. I've wanted to talk about it for a long time, and I think it's good. Like, it'll be good to talk about it in, like, a smaller kind of audience. And Yeah. Well, we support you, me and Amanda, who are I appreciate interviewing you, yeah. and I was going to say we'll make sure it's a great time, but I don't think we can make it a great time, but it'll be a time. It'll be a time. And we will be here for that time. Yeah. It won't, it won't be good. Yeah. Um, How was your week? It was okay. I had like a little bit of drama at work like somebody accused me of not doing my job basically <gasps> when in fact I did my job to the letter what is their name well and their phone number yeah we will get on there we were get but get them on the line get them up so that was my friday i found that out yeah. and i was just like it feels really crappy because i really like my job yeah. i think i'm doing an okay job I haven't had a performance review yet, so I don't, you know, I'm just chugging away and trucking away, chugging away. Chugging along? Chugging along, trucking away. Sure. Trucking along. I don't know. I'm moving forward and just doing my job. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's been a pandemic and there's a lot of changes happening and so it was kind of a blow to the start of my weekend, but it was all right. The weekend was made all better by... My all my friends. I know my birthday. That was so good. I'm so glad that you had a good birthday. Yeah, it was really nice. What else? What else? I don't know. Nothing. I feel just very like blah. Well, you should feel really good about yourself because we just did holiday photos. That maybe made me feel even worse about myself. Yeah, I'm like drowning my (laughs) sorrows in this vodka water. Yeah, we just did some Christmas photos, holiday photos, and like you know when you. I you know when like, you think you look cute? Yes. But I, you definitely don't? I was like, oh, these are going to be so cute. We're yeah. wearing like red plaid yeah. and we're like so cute. We did our hair and makeup and then we like looked at the photos and we were like, oh. Oh. That's what we look oh, our like. our face does that. But then I don't want to like, you know, like body positivity. Don't teach kids to hate their bodies. You know, be better for the next generation. So I was trying to be like, no, it's great. But, it's you know, not, if we're being great. honest, guys, it's not great. It's not great. They're cute. There are some really cute ones. Yeah, we'll make it work, but not feeling very body positive right now. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, you know what? I think that we're the generation that is like, it's so hard for us to be body positive. Yeah. Like we grew up with the magazines, with all of the like. photoshopping. Yeah. Like all of that. And it's like, yes, the next generation Mm -hmm. is now hopefully in a different position where they can be comfortable in their body and they can see other bodies that look like them, you know, on TV and in magazines, but we didn't, we didn't have that. Yeah. We didn't have that. And our parents that raised us yes. came from the generation of just like restrict, 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 yes. smoke a diets, cigarette, diets, 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 yeah. all these fads. Yeah. And like, so we're sort of a double-edged sword because we know that that's not right. Yeah. But we know, and we know we should love our bodies and all bodies look different, but... But then when we don't like our bodies, we turn to the only thing we know, which is diets. Yeah. Like, it's so just... So it's just, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of messed up in that way. We are definitely messed up. Ah. Um, but anyways, we'll make it work. Um, uh, Last week, I thought, how nice would it be if I asked folks as a nice birthday gift to me... To write a five-star review for our podcast. Yeah. So, and then send us a screenshot of it so Mm -hmm. that we know that you posted it because we're on so many different platforms. 
yes. like our podcast is available so many places and it's in so many different countries. Yeah, yeah it's impossible see. to know who's written a review. Yes. Although I was really sad that we somebody gave us a one star review like a long time ago. Yeah. And you said you think it was one of our friends did it by <laughs> did accident. Did it by accident. Yeah. So that makes me feel better because I was like, oh, because like, she texted me and was like, oh my god, I think I asked yeah. like, and she couldn't change it. And I was yeah. like, it's so okay. So <laughs> one person in Canada gave us a one star review, but it's an error. It was a mistake. Yeah. Can I like appeal it? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> but. Yeah, we've gotten quite a few, and they are so kind and so thoughtful, and it means so much to us. And it just kind of bumps us up, right? Like, it bumps us up, and it and it puts us out there for more people to see us, like, yeah. when we get more reviews. And um, also, I don't know if everyone knows, but when you're listening to our podcast, that's great, and downloading is amazing. But also subscribe, so oh, that yeah. you can see when we have new episodes. It's on your kind of podcast feed, so you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and then that way, if you subscribe, we can, I don't know, just always be there on Tuesdays in your feed. I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. I'll be there for you. I'm feeling very sleepy. I am at your house with dogs, so I've I taken know. a reactin, and then I took an inhaler, and now I'm like, I want to go night eyes. I know, and you're trying to drink a vodka water. And I'm depressed. Yeah, this is a not great combination. <laughs> you just curl up and go to sleep. Yeah. Just, we'll have a sleepover. The kids can just sleep in the basement. I love that. Yeah. Well, anyway, today's episode is with Jessica, who also goes by pen name Paula Jean Ferry. What? I thought you were saying she also goes by pen name. <laughs> <laughs> she goes by pen name. It's like, no, I don't. No, she has a pen name because she's a published author. And it was really interesting to hear how she took her Tourette's and turned it into something positive. Absolutely. I mean, her attitude is amazing. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, Jessica. Hello. How are you? Doing so very well. How are you? Good. We're enjoying our end of the weekend, which is always nice. We're super glad that you completed your long journey and that we're able to chat with you today. (laughs) Um, Why don't we start by having you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll get into it. So my legal name is Jessica Smith. I also refer to it as my witness protection name because there's a lot of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also an author, which was kind of fun because I got to choose a pen name, which was slightly more unique. And we might talk a little bit more about it later. Not sure. But my pen name is Paula Jean Ferry. And I have something called Tourette Syndrome. Wow. Why? Like, do you have to choose a pen name when you're an author or was it an option? You do not have to. I chose to because Jessica Smith is not searchable and I wanted my books to be visible online. Um, There's so many Jessica Smiths. I think there was about a dozen that had already purchased or published under some version of Jessica Smith, like with a middle name or an initial or, or something. Oh, yeah. um, there's just too many and I wanted to be visible. So I did some research. Paula Jean Ferry is me. You put that into a Google search bar. I am the only thing that pops up for like the first five pages of Google. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Yes. You picked a good one. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so you have Tourette's syndrome, which I think is so interesting. May, can you maybe talk about what Tourette's is? Absolutely. Tourette's syndrome is a neurological disorder and doctors don't really know much about it. I actually saw 
four different doctors before I was able to receive a diagnosis. And different doctors will say different things, um, assuming they can even arrive at the idea of Tourette syndrome. There are some doctors who will put it on the autism spectrum. Um, that's where I classify my brain. I've seen a lot of similarities with the autism spectrum um, and what I know of it. Um, others will say it's not. Some say it's entirely psychologically based and caused by sexual abuse. Others will say, oh, you can cure it with diet and exercise. Or there, I actually have a screenshot of someone who posted on Twitter, medical doctor, who said that Tourette syndrome is not a thing. You're all faking it. <gasps> wow. So, what? <laughs> it does depend on the doctor you're seeing. No kidding. Wow. Oh, so how old were you when you were officially diagnosed with it? I was 24 when I was diagnosed. Wow. And when did it start? Like, what was your lead up to kind of feeling like you needed to be diagnosed with that? Uh, that's a two-part question. I'll answer the first one first. <laughs> sure, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> I started making noises at 17, uh, but they started out fairly mild. I actually just thought they were hiccups. And I started mm. doing them every day. Then I started doing them multiple times per day. And it was... My second year of college, I think, second or third year of college where they started to change and started making actual noises that would, um, I was a music major at the time, so these are the words I'm going to use, but they would fluctuate in pitch and rhythm. Some of them were actually very musical. I have this one like opera diva that I haven't heard in a while and I miss it, but I do this nice, loud, high-pitched, beautiful vibrato. Uh, (laughs) I haven't done that one in a while, but it was so great. I mean, I have a form called echolalia, so I repeat uh, various sounds that I hear. I make a lot of animal noises. And as far as getting a diagnosis, I actually never really saw much need. I I did because I know that my parents were concerned and I wanted to kind of put their minds at ease type of a thing, but I wasn't concerned yeah. about it because like I said, in my mind, it's hiccups, except for they don't hurt like normal hiccups. I just make cute little noises. I mean, in my mind, they were the equivalent of a cough or a sneeze or some normal bodily function. Right. Um, It wasn't until when I was 24, by this point, I had changed my major. I had been pulled aside by the head of the department and said, hey, look, because of these noises, we actually can't place you in an internship, which was required for graduation. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. I'm like, well, that's cool. I had a lot of other things that were going on in my life at the time. I got very overwhelmed and I ended up failing all of my classes because what was the point of really trying with school if if I couldn't graduate in that major anyways? So with that, uh, my school had a very good policy in place. If you fail all of your classes, you're required to see the school psychologist before you can sign up for any additional classes the following semester, just to make sure that they know, you know, where your mental health is, make sure you're in the right spot and, and not repeat that again. Right. So when I went to the school psychologist, told him what had happened, explained the noises I had been making, my, you know, history and trying to find that with, um, I'd gone to, like I said, I think it was three different doctors at that point in time who had no idea what was happening. So we pulled out the DSM, which is how it lists every medical disorder and what's required for a diagnosis. And so the school psychologist pulled that book out, looked up Tourette syndrome. I met all four qualifications. He's like, it's Tourette syndrome. And boom, I had a diagnosis. 
Oh, wow. Wow. And did you notice the sounds before anybody else or did somebody point it out and you were like, oh, yeah. I I remember the first one very clearly, actually. And I was by myself. Um, I was working at the public library at the time and I was in the back room putting something away And I remember doing it and going, oh, well, that was weird. Kind of like a hiccup, didn't hurt. But it was during my library shift where they they actually started to count how often I would do them while I was on shift. And I noticed that they would increase when they were being counted. Like kind of under like under stress kind of thing or just? Statistically, yes. Tourette syndrome is aggravated by stress. But at the same time, like these library ladies were so sweet about it. And it was just kind of like a fun thing that we did. I, I didn't feel stressed. Um, I don't, I don't think that I increase with stress. I mean, maybe I do. Maybe I'm just not paying attention because I really enjoy my treads. I think they're fun. I do notice that I do them more often when I get like happy or excited, which physiologically it's the same thing. You know, you get right. like the butterflies in the tummy, you kind of get a little bit of excitement slash fear, which can be very, very similar. So I just think I take it a different direction because I enjoy them. So after seeing the school psychologist, did you, what did you change in school? Like, what did you start studying? I changed to international cultural studies with an emphasis in communications. Oh, interesting. What kind of work <laughs> does that lead you to do? That was actually my favorite part about it is it didn't lead to anything specifically. Um, Because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, But what this degree was, was it was a a combination of humanities, anthropology, and communications. Mm. So we basically studied, it's essentially a sociology degree. I studied people, how we interact, how we communicate, why we do a lot of the things that we do, um, which was super fascinating. But what I loved was that they actually taught us more how to utilize it. And and, then it's a difficult major for sure. There was one woman, our our department was very proud of this woman. She actually became a medical doctor with that degree. But what she did, what she did was she studied uh, with the humanities and the anthropology, um, ancient Chinese medicine, and then combined that into a Western medical studies degree. And she had to apply to so many different colleges before she found someone who would accept her. I mean, she'd already done all of her required science classes as well. And it probably complicated her process a little bit better, but it was something that she was much more interested in and what she wanted to do long term. And so it it was a little bit of a of a major where they encouraged curiosity and discovery. And and that's actually what led me to being an author. It it took me longer than anticipated. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. by this point in time, I had forgotten about doing an internship until it was too late to apply. And so I ended up doing a senior research paper instead of an internship on Tourette syndrome and how it affects communication because I had just been recently diagnosed and I wanted to learn more about it and figure out this connection, like why I was able to communicate in such a way that not everyone with Tourette's does. Found some super fascinating stuff. My professors were super supportive, said there's really nothing like this in the communications field. You need to get this published. Publishing a college paper is ridiculously hard, and I'm somewhat lazy. Publishing a book, which is not an easy process in and of itself, but it is easier than publishing a college paper. Um, So I expanded it. It 
and published it as my first book, got so addicted that I'm like, yep, this is now my life. (laughs) Um, And I've been writing ever since I I released my fourth book in September of 2021. And I'm working on my fifth. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And so are what kind of writing do you do? So far, the first three have been self help ish. Like I said, that first one was Tourette syndrome and how it affects communication. And what I found essentially was how it was a tool to be utilized. And so I called my first book Awkwardly Strong. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, so I, I help people to understand that these are actually good moments that you need to embrace and figure out how to utilize as a tool rather than hiding from these experiences and how it can transform your life. My second book um, I did with tragic experiences that I had been through. I'd been homeless for a while. I've lost three out of four siblings. I've been sexually abused. Like I I had this slew of things. So I I kind of did a similar process as the first one with Tragically Strong. Um, I'm also kind of a chicken because of all these terrible things that have happened. So I did a third one in how I approached overcoming my fears that held me back. Um, So I have Fearfully Strong. And then I wrote a guide on what I wish I'd known when self-publishing, just because so many people were like, hey, Jessica, you wrote a book. Can you like help me do this? But I don't really want to be a book coach. Like first and foremost, I'm an author. So I I published this book to say, hey, if you want to know, like this is all of the everything I can tell you, take this. But I'm working on my first work of fiction, which is super exciting. Um, And I want to go into the genre of biographical fiction. Oh, cool. I'm so interested in kind of your um, discoveries on Tourette's and like, is it similar to autism? Like it's a spectrum. So everyone's kind of affected by it differently. And There's different. Yeah. So kind of what have you learned about that? So I'm not going to go into the specifics with Tourette's because like I said, like you mentioned, everyone manifests differently. But the point of awkward moments and like what I learned and how to utilize it, it does not matter. But what I learned with awkward moments, I'm going to step back a little bit to give a little bit of context with culture. Essentially what culture is, is a bunch of unspoken rules that everybody within that culture knows and understands without actually talking about it. And if they are talked about, they end up in some kind of comedy skit. Uh, We all know not to ask a woman her age, her weight, or if she's pregnant, things like that. You know, just inherently know from watching and observing. And there's actually a lot of those. And they're, they are a tool. They're there to help us communicate with others effectively within our culture. But what happens with awkward moments is those are periods where there either is no rule or we don't know what that rule is. And so then we're looking around going, oh no, I don't know this rule. Who knows the rule? So I don't look like an idiot. Yeah. Right. Um, As children, we don't mind as much because we're still learning the rules. People are more forgiving with children. But as adults, it gets more complicated because... I should know this by now, you know, and that's what causes a lot of the anxiety is knowing that there's something that we don't know, but we don't even know what we don't know. You know, this is all so subconscious. But the fun thing about these awkward moments, especially for me, um, as someone who is very vocal with my Tourette's, um, Tourette's is... Uh, classified by tics or uncontrolled movements or vocalizations. Um, I am much more vocal than I am physical. 
Mm. I will scream in the middle of church. I will bark during business meetings. I, I will gasp suddenly walking down the street. What happens is everyone's head suddenly turns because there's that auditory signal of something is happening that I need to pay attention to. Yeah. But then nobody really knows how to respond to it. Um, And so it creates an awkward moment. And that can be for everyone involved. I can feel awkward knowing, you know, well, what am I supposed to do? I have everyone's eyes on me, you know, and I don't want them. The people around me are kind of doing the same thing. Like, what is happening? Like, not sure how to respond. But what I realized in those moments... All that's happening is not knowing what those rules are because there's not really anything in place when someone barks during a business meeting. Who does that? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. yeah, we did not learn that in school. <laughs> right. Um, and it's not something that comes up that we would observe as children coming, growing up either. Yeah. Um, so no one just really knows how to respond and everyone is looking for a leader and everyone is looking for someone who knows the rule so that they can follow their example. Right. But because there is no rule for barking during business meetings within the cultural context, I get to write that rule. I get to create what happens next because I know what's happening. And it was just so empowering to me to recognize how much power I have rather than just like squirming in my seat, wondering what to do to get everyone's eyes off of me. Instead, I'm now focused on this is what I want to happen. This is what I would like for you to do when I am barking or screaming or gasping. And from there, I get to create that culture and those unspoken rules. That's and so, so interesting. How did you discover that about, like, yeah, I guess, what do you do if you gasp and you're walking down the street and everybody turns to look at you? Honestly, it depends because every situation can be so different. Sometimes the look on people's faces is so entertaining that I end up just laughing like a maniacal <laughs> or something. <laughs> there are some people where a gasp is something that we know how to respond to. A gasp is usually a sign of surprise or that something is wrong. Fairly often, probably, you know, 60, 70% of the time people are going, oh my gosh, are you okay? What happened? Which is super sweet. I love that people are so thoughtful and concerned. I've made a lot of friends that way. People that I never would have talked to because they approached me wanting to make sure that, you know, I'm okay. You know, those are sweet people. Those are people that I want in my life. People that care and concern and hey we've got a great icebreaker are you okay Uh, yes yes I am (laughs) let me just explain what happened you know and then from there I can gauge more about their personality like conversations just tend to flow of you know have you heard of Tourette's you know do I need to explain it often get a lot of questions about it because it's not something that people run into a lot it's becoming more common um, I know that TikTok has a huge uh, group yeah. of people that are making it much more well known, which is awesome. I love that. So I not I don't get as many questions anymore, but it's more like I said. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes sometimes the timing is just so perfect that it becomes a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back when I first started dating my boyfriend, you know, we we kissed a couple of times, but it, it was still kind of a new thing. He was leaning in to kiss me. And said something along the lines of, you know, it's nothing I haven't heard before or I've heard everything before. Something along those lines. And then my tics jump out with this grotesque. 
that kind of noise. And we just both like double over in laughter because guess what? That's something you have not heard yes. before. <laughs> oh, that, that's so funny. So sometimes the timing is just great. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, TikTok. I I find it so interesting, and we've we've talked about this that there's so many different like communities on TikTok, and mm-hmm. there's just such a great it's such a great way to let people know like about you and and learn about different things like Tourette's and autism and things like that. Do you do anything on there? Do you speak publicly about um, having Tourette's? I do speak fairly publicly. I actually really love doing podcasts, and I try guesting as often as I can to talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, I am not on TikTok because I also get an obsessive personality. I would just be so sucked in that I I, I have to delete it every time. I'm like, I didn't get anything done yes. if I'm oh, just going to watch this stupid app. <laughs> so, I yeah. will literally, I'll just be like, oh, I'll just take a minute. I'll just watch like two or three. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I can't because I, I do have a very addictive personality. Um, that is something that I struggle with. Um, Tourette's does also have on the autism spectrum, again, according to some doctors, there's ADD, ADHD, OCD, Tourette's, um, Asperger's and autism. Um, and so I feel like I've got so many things from each of these within the spectrum. I definitely have a hard time focusing at times. Sometimes I have this OCD that I just, it has to be this way. So I, I mostly speak out on other platforms. I, I write about it in my books. Um, I write on medium.com because I'm, I'm a writer, but I will also typically speak on podcasts as well. Yeah, wow. that's great. When you were, when you went through the process of getting a diagnosis, did you have people like in your family or your, so your social circle push back and reject it? Um, it was actually kind of the opposite. Like I was not concerned about trying to get a diagnosis. I was not concerned with trying to figure out what was happening. The one thing that really kind of pushed me to see doctors was that people were always trying to fix me as if I was broken. Like they sounded Mm -hmm. like hiccups and I've heard every hiccup cure under the sun and I've told them it's not hiccups. And they're like, well, but you should just try it anyways. It's funny how people just try to claim some kind of medical proficiency. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And again, like this concept of it it was really frustrating to me, especially as an adult. This can actually be very damaging to children when people are trying to fix you as if you're broken and kids internalize that message of I'm broken when they're not. I know I'm not broken. And so it was something that angered me and frustrated me. And that was one of the, the few reasons why I actually did seek a diagnosis was just just leave me alone. Like before I was officially diagnosed, I actually started using it's Tourette's and there's no cure. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You almost need a t-shirt that says that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. (laughs) There are a lot of t-shirts within the TS community for sure. There's t-shirts, there's uh, like medical cards that they can hand out, you know, if they don't really want to talk to people. And is it something that can, because it's neurological, is there a chance that it will I don't want to say grow out of it, but you sort of like developed it at a certain age and could there potentially be where you, I don't know what the term is, like (laughs) undevelopment. There are, uh, statistically speaking, Tourette's will start manifesting between the ages of four and six. I'm a bit of an outlier in the fact that I started Um, at 17. Um, I've spoken with a woman who has worked in the Tourette syndrome field for over 40 years. I was the second she found that manifested after the age of 15. Wow. 
in order to receive a diagnosis, one of those uh, classifications is onset before age 18. Like I barely made that cutoff and it usually does start younger. And there are children who will grow out of it. It's not a huge number. Um, I don't know the exact percentages, but it's less than half. Um, So I I, want to make that clear. Like if your child has Tourette's syndrome, don't bank on them growing out of it. For the most part, this is a lifelong issue. I, I feel like that was a huge benefit where I kind of, like you said, grew into them because I was able to figure things out without people telling me that I was broken, disruptive, a bad kid, and all of these things that children tend to hear until they get a diagnosis. Kind of on that same vein, like, is can it adapt in different ways? Like, can your tics change or... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and other things can happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first started, they just kind of sounded like hiccups or, you know, since hiccups can be different from person to person, it sounded like I was stepping on a dog's squeaky toy. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there was just this tiny little squeak and people, I can't tell you how many times people would look around in like church services is there a dog in here? <laughs> That's me. I am the dog. Thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> um, which was kind of fun to me, actually. Like there were so many times I was just trying really hard to not bust out laughing when I'm supposed yeah. to be <laughs> But now, like I said, I had that opera diva um, where I did that nice, high-pitched, beautiful vibrato. Um, I do the gasping. I do the barking. I do animal noises. I, I do say a couple of words on occasion, but they're always several octaves above what I speak. I've said mahalo, oh no. The oh no is fun. People are like, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. What are you talking about? Um, I actually had one friend because I was in a crowd where everyone knew me and knew what was going on. And he was like the new kid. Mm. Um, he actually thought he was having auditory hallucinations because no one was reacting to these noises. <laughs> like, no I was like, am I hearing things? Why is no one reacting to this? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's really funny. funny. I love your outlook on it. And mm. the fact that you sort of embrace it and enjoy it and have turned it into something so positive. What do you think? A, what do you think the reason for that is like, what made you so positive and and be able to embrace it. I think a huge aspect was the fact that I did start so much older. Like I said, where children grow up and hearing things from authority figures like parents, like teachers, stop being so disruptive, stop being such a bad kid. Like a lot of kids internalize that. Mental health is a huge, huge aspect within the Tourette syndrome community as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just so much a part of my personality. Even before I had Tourette's, I was one of those kids that wrote in a grateful journal every day. And I wouldn't let myself repeat things that I was grateful for just because that's something that I wanted to develop. I, I had a lot of depression as a kid. I was suicidal when I was like 12. And so finding joy at a young age and finding some sense of peace and mental health stability, even though I didn't necessarily know that verbiage, was oh. something that I had always sought for and trying to to find myself at a young age. And I think that was also a huge factor. Yeah. I think that my my religion played a large role in that as well, just because I know God doesn't make broken people. Like, yeah, we're oh. not perfect and we're all different and everyone has challenges but I 
don't believe that I was made wrong in Uh some way, you know? And so I, like, there were just so many factors that all kind of came together in a way between my religion, between my depression and seeking for mental health at such a young age and, and being able to start ticking after I had started that process was definitely huge. Like not everyone has that advantage. I know that I'm super privileged with that, Yeah, uh, but that's part of why this is such a thing that I want to talk about. That's why I don't make the short little TikTok videos because I want to like go in depth and explain like this is something that you can use this is how you utilize it and I mean there are hard days Tourette's can be physically painful I do see a chiropractor more often than most because I've got this shoulder tick my shoulder will kick forward and whip my head back I've given myself whiplash oh Um, wow you know and so I see chiropractors fairly consistently just because I'm constantly throwing myself out like it's not always a, a pretty process but the vocal stuff is fun (laughs) (laughs) you know um and even with the physical stuff it started as as a smaller shoulder movement people would ask "Ooh, are you cold you know again I love that people were just so willing to to reach out yeah and I'd say no I'm not I just kind of do it sometimes I don't know why (laughs) I think that's so amazing that you talk about it in such, I don't know, such a positive way. And like you said, you know, with children who have been diagnosed with this, there's probably a lot of shame attached to it. And a lot of like, Mm -hmm. if I make myself smaller, if I hide from people, like I won't be either embarrassed or like put on the spot if I'm making um, different noises and things like that. And for you to be able to teach them like, no, you can harness this power and make it a positive thing. I Mm -hmm. think that's so important and amazing that you can do that. Thank you. Yeah, it's super important because it's not just the Tourette syndrome community in general. I feel like teenage years are just awkward. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> this isn't something that just applies to Tourette syndrome. This is something that we all experience who hasn't had some kind of awkward moment or another. My favorite thing in understanding where awkward moments come from is also understanding that culture is something that is man-made. And I think that's why... There are so many people who struggle with anxiety these days is because there are so many more moments where as we become a global society and we're interacting with people from all of these different cultures because social media and the internet, we just never know how we're supposed to act. But culture is there for our benefit to enhance our ability to communicate. And if it's not serving us, it can be changed. And yeah. we get to create that culture. And, and so it's super empowering to, to understand that if it's not serving us, it is something that doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of support from your family and friends? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Partially because I, I was just lucky enough to be born in a great family. But as far as friends, I get to choose who I have in my life. I pick my friends. And I choose to have people around me who are supportive. If they're not... They don't have to be there. And I don't want to have people who aren't supportive in my life. I mean, I am the type of person who, uh, because of all of this empowerment that I received in college with learning about awkward situations and rewriting culture and and all of that fun stuff, um, I tend to just be a bull in a china shop. I just kind of dive in. Hey, guys, here I am. This is what I'm doing. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) And so I take a lot of really big risks. And I need people who support me. Because if not, 
my entire lifestyle is going to change, but it's also not a lifestyle that I want. Yeah. yeah it won't truly be you. Right. Yeah. And I, and I did that the first half of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did that. That's part of what caused so much depression as a preteen and teenager was trying to be the person that I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no one knows who Jessica Smith will, will pretend Paula Jean Ferry since there's so many Jessica Smiths, but nobody knows who <laughs> Paula Jean Ferry is supposed to be. I'm the one that gets to decide that. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's my life, not anyone else's. That's very true. I think more youth need to hear that kind of message. For sure. Where do you see yourself going in the next five years with writing, with talking about Tourette's? So I'm actually making a shift, like I said, into fiction. I feel like these first few books helped me to kind of get a grasp on self-publishing because I publish these myself instead of going through a traditional publisher, but learning how to put out a quality product, learning, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Like I knew I wanted to be an author, but there's so many different directions I could go within that scope. And so now I know a little bit more what I want to do and who I want to be. I mean, even at, I'm 35 right now, it's okay to not have everything figured out, which I think is also key. Um, And I'm still playing with that. So within the next five years, um, I want to start publishing a book per year. Um, and like oh, wow. I said, I want them to be the biographical fiction, which what that means is I will take an actual person who lived. I will do as much research as I can on their life. But then things that are unknown, I will fill in the gaps and I will make up stories. For example, the first one that I'm working on is the first woman recorded in medical journals uh, and, and she was key to the study in creating a diagnosis of Tourette syndrome. Tourette syndrome became a thing a year after she passed. Wow. Um, wow. But she was born in 1800 in France, which the political upheaval of the time in France alone is is the stuff of novels, right? But the other fun fact, fact about this woman is she was nobility. She was a countess and she had the swearing form of Tourette's. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which, I mean, all of these factors, you can just imagine how insane her life must have been. Yeah. You know, um, she was forced into a marriage at 17 because they thought that it would cure her to fit into her societal role as a wife and a mother. But guess what? She never had kids. She was so stubborn. I love this woman. Absolutely. <laughs> she didn't need a man. I was just going to say, I mean, there's nothing a good man can't fix. <laughs> Right. Um, She she was really into horticulture, and at one point she was receiving an award from Napoleon's son, and she just completely told him off. It might have been the Tourette's. It might not have. (laughs) That's incredible. You know, but she would call people the equivalent of effing pigs or, you know, just all of these terribly offensive words. But she was still very active in society. She didn't hide herself, which I'm so impressed with, especially given the political unrest of the time, given Mm -hmm. her status, given her like she was just so strong and confident as herself and that had to have been a process because there's not a ton in her early life but I was able to find some stuff in her you know as she aged she lived to be about 84 years old which is impressive for the for the 1800s yeah and Um, I'm surprised the fact that she didn't fit into that cultural norm I'm surprised she wasn't burned at the stake to be honest yeah there are actually theories that that's what happened during the Salem witch trials. They think one or two of them may have had Tourette's. There's no way to prove it. Wow, yeah. yeah. But they think there were literally people who were burned at the stake for having Tourette's syndrome. Aww. We can't prove it. You know, yeah. don't quote me on that. But yeah. it's a fun theory to consider. 
Yeah. Totally. So yeah, that's tangent coming back to the original question. That's essentially what a biographical fiction is. Like I'm going to fill in the gaps in her life, putting in story form, what it was like to grow up and kind of grow into that strong, confident woman that she was. And I want to do that with one of my siblings. I've lost three out of four siblings, but one of them was a miscarriage when I was about 10 years old. And so I never actually knew this brother. But I would love to look at what my life would have been like had this brother lived. Yeah. What his life would have been like, because that's also going to be healing for me and for my family. What a good story as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm taking real people and putting my own spin on things. So those are the type of books that I that I want to write because again, they're healing. They do still kind of tie into the early stuff that I've done with the awkwardly strong, tragically strong and fearfully strong. But this time I I just want them to be in narrative and story form. That's really cool. Where's the best spot for people to find your work? Right now, mostly on Amazon. And then I do have my books available. If If they're requested in a bookstore, they can be found because they are on a national like registry uh, that bookstores purchase from. So if you were to walk into a bookstore and ask for a specific book title, you would be able to find it um, or they're on Amazon. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Excuse me. There's a tick for you. <laughs> it was really um, adorable. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like I said, they're so fun. <laughs> they're so cute. Um, is there anything else that you kind of want people to know about um Tretz and and living with Tretz? And I, I I've briefly kind of touched on it, but I kind of want to like yeah. reiterate and change how I say it, just for like a full grasping understanding. Like it is something yeah. that is hard. I don't want to just glorify. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so great. Like I get that it's hard, but that's life in general. And I'm one of those people that that tries to find joy in the hard times. Like I, I, I allow myself to feel hurt and sad. I'm not suppressing any emotions, but that doesn't mean that I can't also seek joy because happiness does take work. Yeah, you know? it, it's so easy to feel like a victim of this terrible thing that has happened to me. Um, It's so easy to wallow in misery and just have people like, oh, you poor thing. But that's toxic. That's not the type of person that other people are going to want to be around. And I don't want to stay in victim mode. Um, I will go through the grief stages and I will feel all of my emotions, but I don't stay there. Yeah, that's really good. That's really important. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. It's been so interesting to hear your perspective and and learn about about Tretz and about what you've done. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. We'll make sure we link, um, we'll tag your pen name uh, in our show notes and when we post on social media and we'll put a link to where people can find your work. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. We will chat soon, but enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you so much for having me. You guys enjoy your evening as well. Thank Thank you you. so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, hey Carling. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I messed up our intro. No, hey, girl. Hey, girl, hey. Uh, we just talked about how we should have been more peppy in our intro, but you know, this is us. I'm feeling even more tired now. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, we try to be more peppy, but also we try to keep it real. Absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes we just feel bad and that is totally okay and normal and let's it's normalize okay that to be okay right do, do, do. who is that justin bieber no i've never heard that song before in my life yeah it's okay not to be okay 
No. No. <laughs> That's you a Carling Middle set original. <laughs> no, it's a real song. I'm going to put it at the end of this episode. Um, yeah, so if you're feeling down and seasonal depression has got you, you know, feeling crappy or grief or whatever, like, just know that it's normal and a lot of people are feeling like this in this, uh, Christmas season, holiday season and it's, uh, I don't know, just support your friends who are feeling this way and hopefully you have support if you're feeling this way. Yeah, I was gonna, I was trying to think of what we're gonna do for our holiday episode. Yeah. But, like, we can't do the same thing that we did last year where I just talked about how much I hate Christmas. <laughs> and I talk about how depressed I am. Like, yeah. Christmas is here. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about something uplifting. We could talk about, like, what Christmas was like when we were kids. I now believe in Christmas. Do you? No. <laughs> absolutely not. I hate everything about it. <sighs> yeah. The societal pressures, the big money industry. I loved it until I lost Anthony. Yeah. Because it was... It's such a different vibe when you're like having Christmas with your partner and together you're like watching your kids open the gifts and you're like making the memories together. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we every night, like the night before Christmas morning, we would like wrap all the gifts and make sure everything was set up. And it was like so fun. And now yeah. it just feels like so lonely. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Well, that's all right. Well, welcome to my side where I think Christmas shouldn't exist. Perfect. So on that note, I hope everybody has a great week. Crappy holidays to you. Yeah. Please uh, like, subscribe, follow, share our podcast. We want to keep growing. We are fast approaching the two-year anniversary and 100 Uh episodes. And we just want to be out there and have people hear our stories that we share. (laughs) I did not think that. Hear our stories. (laughs) Just hear them. Just hear them. And also, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review anywhere you get your podcasts and then screenshot it and send it to us so we can enter you into a draw for some swag and merch. And we're going to do that, I don't know, December 1st? Sure. That way it's like the month of my birthday. That sounds good. And that's it. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. And and everywhere else. And Patreon. And join our Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Do it. Do it. Okay, bye. Bye. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.